Hello my loves, I'm Carly Deering and this is Tea with Kings and Queens, the podcast where I chat to the most exciting performers from the world of drag, burlesque and cabaret. Today's episode is a real treat as I'm talking to actor, writer and phenomenal drag queen Knuckles Sandwich. Knuckles is a Norwich-based performer known for their energetic, unpredictable performances, perfectly mixing comedy and horror in equal measure. Knuckles was one of the very first drag performers I fell in love with when lockdown started through their brilliantly unhinged digital drag performances, so I was thrilled for the chance for a natter. In this joyful chat, we talk about Quentin Tarantino, the hazards of wearing drag boobs, acting in a horror movie and loads more. This episode also has a particularly special ending. Enjoy. So today I'm dead excited to be talking to the kick-ass queen who packs the punch, Knuckle Sandwich. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's great to talk to you. We were just saying before, before I hit the old record button, that I've been enjoying your performances for a whole year now. I can't believe it because I discovered G3 Digital Drag. So it's been a bit of a crazy time. It has been a crazy time. And first off, I'm sorry. (laughs) Secondly, I know this this last, the last 12 months has has just been... um, I've, uh, yeah, that is that is that's yeah. the sound of the last twelve months. I think I I can sum up. Agreed. So. How are you at the moment? We're in. Where are we in the UK? We're sort of half coming out of lockdown, but not quite. we yeah. So um, I feel like we're in terms of how I am. I'm a bit like the weather at the moment. So in the last twenty four hours. Um, it has snowed, it has rained, it has been pure sunshine, it has been absolutely freezing, there have been mad winds, um, and my internet died for a period. So I think that probably sums up my internal monologue. How, how did you cope when the internet went off? I'm not sure how I would. Um, it was it, it was brief, but I was doing work at the time, so it was not it was not desired, but, you know the uh, we, we have to do what we've got to do yeah true right tell me about knuckle sandwich firstly i think it's one of my favorite drag names of all time where did that name come from um i when i was figuring out a drag name i just was i was uh, well my first go-to name that i i um had in the in the drafts was annie conda um yes. which i i still find funny but I, I find myself hilarious <laughs> that's important that is important um and then knuckle sandwich came about just because i really like the idea of like I, I i grew up um i spent like my first few uh years um growing up in essex and um like work i i, I used to go and even with my dad who used to work down like markets and go, we go down to london do deptford market and all of this stuff and I, I'd just be traipsing along little old me and you just hear all these like ridiculous like sayings and I've all always knuckle sandwich has been like one that stuck with me like through like teenage years like through my adult life I just find it like funny because it's, it's intended to be like uh, a, an aggressive phrase but it just sounds ridiculous <laughs> yeah. and I love the idea of like something sounding like threatening but it's just like a big ball of camp <laughs> I, I think it works that. brilliantly when did you start performing as knuckle do I call her knuckle 
it has to be knuckle sandwich, doesn't it? That works. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, knuckle, knuckles, uh, knuckles. The sandwich, if you uh, if you know me well. <laughs> um we oh god when did i oh it was like august 2019 was like my first like this is knuckle being introduced i'd i'd dabbled in drag before then but like not as like not as uh not as miss knuckle um and there was um there's a local bar in norwich that hosts a great um monthly drag competition where it was like a lip sync competition and drag artists or, or kind of anyone really could could uh, come forward and there would be like a, a first round and then there'd be like a second round of like a, a final thing and I, I remember I, I, I rocked up and I was so nervous I just got hammered before <laughs> I mean like absolutely hammered so i got around to doing the the lip sync and i was just throwing myself around i was dancing with the audience i was having a great time and then shockingly i won the whole thing amazing (laughs) what was the song um the first round was to snm and i (laughs) thought it would be funny to bring like a mouth gag and a whip with me so i was just parading around with like a ball gag in my mouth and like whipping myself um and then the the, oh god it was lady guy it was just dance um Mm. and i didn't know what that song was going to be in advance i knew snm was going to be the song but i didn't know that just dance was so i didn't really kind of know what i i was going to do i just threw myself around and then i i can uh just about do uh shablam dip death drop whatever you call her nice. and uh i did one and like i have these uh uh lovely um implant things that i, I can wear to accentuate my my lovely chest and they went like flying like across the club floor and it was like wow and then there was literally me for the rest of the lip sync like I was genuinely looking for my boobs because I was like these were expensive I can't lose these so there's me like hobbling around like I sweat like the pictures from that night I just was like dripping like running around with my boobs like it was it was ridiculous so the moral the moral there is get hammered yeah throw yourself around (laughs) pretty much did you find the boobs I did find the boobs um which is the main thing they did they did suffer an injury but it's nothing about duct tape console they are so expensive i've heard so expensive they are well i've i, I god i can't afford a, a breastplate oh my goodness they are um I, I need to be doing a bit more hustling <laughs> before i get invested in one of them but i just got some uh some lovely little little couplets that sit in uh sit in a little bra um and they came all the way from china Lovely. All of that stuff seems to wind its way from there. So it all works out. When you're doing lip syncs and stuff with competitions, are you expected, like how much pressure is there to do the whole shablam death drop thing? Oh, uh, I I feel like the UK scene is very different to the US. Yeah, thank God, in a nice way. Mm. Yes, like I'm just... My my vibes. I I like to to get from performers on stage 
and also to do is just to make sure you are entertaining the audience. But like, I don't necessarily want to see that like one, two, three, four, five, six, turn around, dip, shablam, uh, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's great, but I've seen it done yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, so like, show me something new. Yeah. Yeah. So what led you to that point where you were like, I'm going to have a go at this. Um, um where did your interest in drag start? I know you're an actor. So I've, uh, I, I got into acting when I was a teenager. And for like my final A-level performance for sixth, sixth form, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I did um, a, a, a short version of a play called The Red Shoes which was done by um, a company called Knee High Theatre, which are uh, a fantastic theatre company. I know them. Um, have you seen any of their stuff? Yes, I had a friend who worked for them for a very long time. Really? Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. Oh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> so the Red Shoes, um, for those that don't know, it was based on the, the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale of a, of a young girl who really wanted these pair of red shoes um, she would do anything to get them, and she she disobeyed her guardian, who said she couldn't have them, and and took them, and then she was cursed to dance in them forever until I think the the line in the the script and the story is like until the skin hangs off her bones, and it is like it's very dark, and then the theatre piece is um, done with this character called Lydia, who's like this grand high mistress who is um, effectively a drag queen who parades a group or like ensemble with storytellers around and forces them to tell the story of the red shoes. So that you've got this interesting like dichotomy of like this drag queen kind of bossing around what are effectively prisoners to tell this story while also the story of the red shoes is going on. So in sixth form, I played Lydia who was the, the the drag queen. And that was like my first go at it. And it was like, it was really fun because people just responded to you differently. And I mean, like with giving away my age, that was 10 years ago. And drag as well has changed so much in 10 years. But like, yeah. there was certainly like, it, it wasn't something that was kind of being done by people in, or by my classmates or by people that had been in, in year groups before. So I, I felt like it was quite like, a, oh yeah, like I'm being, I'm on stage. I am being like quite openly queer. Um, and it was just like, it, it was a really fun performance, but it was like one of those where I think drag still had its, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's definitely not, bit, bit, it wasn't as accepted in the mainstream as it is now. Yeah. And it's something that I've always had like an interest in and just kind of like shut away and like I've concentrated on other other sides of acting. But like I, I love that it's like now kind of become like another string in like my performer's bow that I've got this character. So it was quite a while then from a big gap for you between that performance and then your winning the lip sync competition. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there have been times where like, I, I've because I when I started watching uh, 
as we all, as this will inevitably have been brought up, like RuPaul's Drag Race. So I started watching that about season four. Um, Which was four? Uh, Sharon's season. Sharon, okay. Um, and it was like, uh, I, I, and then from there, like, I think there have been like the odd birthday or Halloween as a... To just to go out and be like, oh, I'm gonna go out and drag, like, woo! And then it's like that thing that you, the, the inner shame in me was like, no, lock it away. Like, you, it was a one-off. You you can't do that again. <laughs> um, and then I, I I don't know. I think like just over the last couple of years, I've I've definitely like. Uh, in, in particular in like roles that I've taken on as well. Like there's just certain things like, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not doing that anymore. Or like, no, I, I or yes, I'm going to do this because this is something that either interests me or something that like I want to do. Like I, I feel like there's so many things probably I was talking myself out of, mm -hmm. uh, out of doing that I, I could have done or I feel like I could have excelled at and I never would have known because I never gave it a proper go. And drag was like one of those where it was like, well, this opportunity presented itself. And I was like, well, I literally have nothing to lose. If I don't do it, I'm going to be like, well, I didn't do it. And if I did do it and it went well, then I'd kind of have everything to gain. So what then happened after you won that lip sync triumphantly? <laughs> what happened next? So I got home and I threw up everywhere. Great. <laughs> As is tradition. I think I went into work the next day at like eight o'clock. <laughs> Working in retail at the time as well, I would like you to know. Um, <laughs> so I, I hadn't even got to grips with like how to take my makeup off properly. So I think I still had like effectively like my eyes on, but just the rest of me was like blotchy like red skinned like sore from shaving face um that just went in a hang hungover mess um but from there i had uh i'd started to kind of build like fairly good relationships with some of the the other local performers and then i'd managed to um i did a couple of halloween shows yeah um, your halloween shows we're gonna have to talk about that in a sec <laughs> Oh dear. Um, <laughs> so I did a couple of Halloween um, performances and then uh, did some uh, shows with um, the House of Days, which have since disbanded, but they were like a local Norwich collective. And I felt like things were moving, like the momentum was building really nicely from just my first time going out and, and yeah. knuckle sandwich in August, right up until the end of February 2020. And it was like, Things were like, uh, at this point, I'd already done a good number of shows. Um, I was planning different looks and different performances and different mixes of this. And then obviously the world ended and it was like, yeah. well, now what? <laughs> well, but Knuckle Sandwich didn't end. Like, as I say, I was lucky enough to discover you right when lockdown started. And there were like Euphoria. I think you were mm. in Euphoria. That just yep. all the and Mother's Meeting came out and all these great shows. And this is where I've like found some of my favourite performers who I've all managed to speak to on the podcast, which is great. But you you just embraced digital drag straight away then. Yeah, totally. It was like uh, I, 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 the momentum was behind me and it was like, well, I, I, I've gotten really into it. I'm investing in like outfits and I, I, I feel like I, I was getting to grips with like the tone of like what Knuckle can do and what 
she's about and the vibe that she gives off. And I, I, I really didn't want to like, just because we couldn't perform in person anymore, I didn't want it to be like, well, I'll just wait until the opportunity comes up. Like, no, it was like, we've got to, you've got to adapt. Um, and it's so, so amazing that so many drag artists have, because I feel like they, they were such kind of pioneers in like moving performances online, even before bigger, more, more mainstream events even kind of cottoned on to that. Yeah, it was immediate and it was all immediately brilliant. Like, do you think your your acting training helped you put stuff together and kind of write the type of thing that you wanted to do for digital drag? Yeah, I think so. I think like I I, I create and devise and, and I write as well. So like I'm I'm good at like working to a short time frame and kind of knowing what I want. Do I have the editing and cinematography skills I need? Perhaps not. But I like, wouldn't say that. <laughs> I work with like I, I I try and put my heart into everything, and regardless of like how it comes out in the end I always want it to be like a learning experience and be like oh okay like when you watch it back and edit it like I want it to be like okay like that really worked so I can use bits of that and then improve that next time like I, I like to try and kind of constantly evolve and so and try and make each digital performance better than the last. Do you enjoy the editing process? So I know some performers find it a bit laborious just like then they've said or they'd get sick of staring at their own face but is that part of it that you like? Sometimes it is really enjoyable and it can be really like fun, like figuring out what it is that that the performances and sometimes it is like total like, oh God, here we go. I've just got to put this four second clip here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because obviously it's totally different to like a live spontaneous performance, isn't it? It's like yeah. this is days of work, if sometimes weeks of work for like a four minute five-minute piece totally 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 it's like oh it's well it's just like making sure you kind of have have the the resources and 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 the time the time is like the 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 most precious part of it all because if you are performing live you can spend your couple of hours getting ready yeah. prior to that you've either got your mix or your track and you can you can figure out kind of what you're doing and then it's all there laid out when you've got that five minutes on stage or however long you're on stage performing. Like, and then that's it, the end. Like, there's no going away and let me re-edit this and redo this or whatnot. Like, that's it. But like doing digital drag, it's like, okay, let me do this five times <laughs> from five different angles. And like, I'm going to throw in another look in there as well. And then I need to go in and I need close-ups. And it's just like okay but like so sometimes it's it can be really great like um in, I, I did a halloween number last year which i i loved putting together like it was great fun which um, one was it it was a psycho kind of yes. like one i really had like a it was just really fun so like, good and it's on your instagram um isn't it, it if is. anyone wants to see it yeah it's on my uh little IG live, not live or video. That's it. IGTV. That's it. IGTV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's me being such a such a techno expert. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. Um, 
yeah, so th- I think that's that's about it with my opinions on the editing process. <laughs> How long did it take you to put something like that together? So say the the psycho inspired. So I knew what I wanted to kind of achieve. Um, so I had I had two um, tracks or main tracks in that. So I worked and did like my lip syncs on that, and then I kind of worked backwards, and then I just kind of shot like exposition kind of bits, which I could then edit in, and then that's where I included like some of the score from Psycho um, and some other like additional music that kind of wasn't necessarily um, featured otherwise. Like none of that was like I was shooting that and had the music on, so I knew what I was doing. I then like figured that out in the in the edit in the edit so that was that was quite a fun kind of like learning experience like it was amazing like what you could kind of achieve just by like oh I've got all this footage I think altogether I probably had 50 minutes of footage or 60 minutes of footage that I cut down to five (laughs) so it was like I had lots to play with with imagine just sitting and watching that all the way through (laughs) it was like the, the, you know, the, the, the funny bits were when I was in the shower, because uh, when I was in the shower, it was just me, like, but honestly, for five or ten minutes, just me, like, doing different poses, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm just washing my armpits, oh, God, oh, now I need to get behind my neck, like, and then I think there's one point, like, I was stumbling around because I was wearing tights, and they weren't so good on the, like, the ceramic bit or whatever it is of the bloody shower floor and then like shower gel falling down it was like what the bloody hell is going on (laughs) I think like the outtakes you folks must have on your phones are just like golden please keep them forever because it needs to be in like a in a gallery somewhere I think I think there there needs to be a good amount of time even since October like not enough time has passed (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll wait we'll wait when everything's fine we'll like get all these out and watch them yeah um you must you must be inspired by horror movies are you a horror fan anyway because I've seen your Halloween performances but loads of your performances mix like comedy and horror really well in together such a fan of horror yeah definitely. um i'm glad that comes across uh yeah like, and i'd say with like this really great feminist twist on it because you often take like um misogynist tropes in horror films you know like the girl always being murdered but you, then you twist it uh, on its head yeah. which i love yeah I, I love taking ideas like that and and really kind of like I think when you take something like that and you you take like the idea of um, like the first victim or whatever, who's normally really overly like caricatured. And then I think if you take that, you put it in drag and then you'd like, I'm like ah, ah, on top of that, it just like, uh, what I hope it does is it really highlights like the absolute kind of misogyny of it. And then mm-hmm. like, you take it on a journey and then you end up in a totally different place from where it started. That's, that's kind of like definitely one of my approaches to like doing drag and, and, and incorporating like performance into it. I want to like subvert like those kind of tropes. There were so many performances I want to talk about with you, but the (laughs) first one I saw you do was the baby it's you um, where you're just there, just like completely unhinged 
with a bunch of roses and these pair of scary gloves. It's like really pared back. And it's literally just you like showcasing your acting skills because it's hilarious and creepy at the same time. <laughs> so that was, um, th there's a, a Tarantino film um, called Death Proof, which is one of his lesser kind of known. Mm. Um, and I think even he's gone out there to say like, he, he acknowledges like, it's my worst film. But like, <laughs> if that's my worst film, like then you know you're still going to get a really good film but like i actually find it it's his best i absolutely love it it is so good and like the dialogue in it is just fantastic and the the groups of women that are like the the kind of spearheads of the story there's two kind of main groups um I don't know if you've seen it. Um, well, I watched it after I saw this performance, oh, really? actually. Yeah, oh, yeah, because really? I wanted to I wanted to find out where it came from. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, it's a cracker. Because I, I have had a problem with Tarantino, obviously, with his portrayal of women and everything. Yeah. Uh, problematic, to say the least. Absolutely. But like, just with, with that, he took like... Because he's never done like an all-out-and-out -out horror. But like, I feel like that was probably his closest to doing that and the the journey in particularly in the second half of like where they go and how they um interact with stuntman mike who is the the antagonist um is just superb like that final 20 minutes of that film i think is just like it's hilarious it's like nerve-wracking <laughs> it's just like a total ride but the the soundtrack to it is like immaculate mm. and um that song baby it's you um has i think most famously been done by the beatles but yeah. it, um the the version that i used is, is by this artist called smith who just has this like absolute so like oh godly like raspy like beautiful like bluesy rock pop kind of voice where you can see like you can see where like Stevie Nicks has probably like used yeah. his influence later on. And you can see where like artists like that have filtered down through other artists in later decades. I would say though, that to enjoy your performance, you don't need to see the film because you convey everything you need to convey <laughs> in what you're doing. Um, what made you just like pare it down? Cause you've done some really elaborate performances, but as I say, it's, this is just you with a bunch of flowers and it's absolutely cracking. Um, I I just like this idea of um, the the song as well has got such like a kind of like love focus. It's like all about like uh, I d don't want nobody, nobody, baby. It's you. It is like the the song itself is like a bit much if yeah. someone's saying those words. Yeah. So I I really like the idea of the just this uh, beautiful creature that just was like not quite correct and by the end it's like the, the these flowers and this vision of beauty is like kind of part of the 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 spiral that she she goes on and explodes quite literally so great you you've been really creative with like where you live as well so there's like a couple of performances in your kitchen which are really <laughs> funny and then i remember seeing you on the mooks madhouse um lockdown lip sync that's yeah. hard to say in the competition so you're a competitive queen aren't you i i like the idea of competition because i feel like 
it pushes you and forces you to be creative in ways that you perhaps wouldn't um, you wouldn't think. Um, I like I, I like kind of getting themes or ideas, and it's like okay, this is what you've got to work with, and it's like okay, go crazy, see see what you can come up with, and stuff like that. I I, I find more. I think I find the competition with myself as to what I can do um, the most interesting part. I, I'm, I don't, I'm maybe not so keen on the idea of like, you know, who's best? Like, because everyone is like, everyone's got their, their thing and what makes them great. And not everyone can translate what they do so well in a physical performance space to digital. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky that I've got a very <laughs> relaxed boyfriend who will just be like, go stand over there. No, no, go lower, lower. I said lower. <laughs> so how did you find the um, the competition then? Because it was pretty intense. You were putting out a lot of performances and new new stuff each time as well. Yeah, it was, it was intense. Um, and so that particular competition was a case of the the lip sync song that you were given you had to do it in one take so it was like okay uh and you had no input into the song either did everyone get the same song so you were partnered up against another um person um and then yeah, for, oh God, it was quite a while ago. I'm just trying to think. It yeah, was a while ago. During the com- competition, you were up against like a fellow competitor and you were given the same song and it was just like, do with it whatever you want. But the, the main gist of it was shoot it in one take and just make of that wow. what you, you want. And then by the end, we, you got kind of freedom as to like what songs you picked. and I wouldn't remember the, the words for <laughs> one take, especially if it wasn't a song I was into. I think that would be really hard. I did a I did a performance to Bon Appetit by Mary. Yeah. So good. I hated that song. So But you did it so well. Like I'm not a fan either. But it, the performance is really good. <laughs> Thank you. It was like I needed to uh, maybe I could be quite objective because I had no preconceived like likes at all. I had no strong feelings to the song other than I didn't like it. Um so I was like, okay, well, I can do this here and I can use this bit of the song to be like this. And then, so by the end of that performance, I, I really like the idea of using food because it was such a food-focused song. So I had my mouth full of marshmallows, lip-syncing and dancing around and spinning. And it was it was just a camp old time. <laughs> how do you deal with having no audience? I mean, aside from your boyfriend, I don't know how he's reacting when he's filming all this. <laughs> How do you deal with no audience? Because your live performances, which you can see on YouTube, by the way, some of them, um, as you say, they're so energetic and the the crowd's really like into it. So it must have been hard making the switch and doing comedy stuff as well. Totally. You've got to have such like um, such a level of self-confidence slash delusion. Just (laughs) like... Well, what I'm doing is hysterical, and I think it's so funny. <laughs> um, you, you, I, I'm, I'm really glad you picked up on that because I do love, like, I love working off an audience, and the, 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 there's such a tangible, like, 
tension and adrenaline of like working off a live crowd. And I, I was quite fortunate in September. I did have a, a live gig that um, was down in London. Um, although I don't quite know what happened to the footage of that, but there, it is somewhere. Uh, what was that like? Um, that was, it was fab. It was like, it, I don't want to, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to be very uh diplomatic about it it was was a really interesting mix of performers and i think the company that put it together was great and they were there was like a real kind of like punk kind of like we're we're doing this because we're we're artists we want to make ourselves known this pandemic's been shit and sorry i don't know if i'm allowed to (laughs) this pandemic's been shit and we just want to kind of show like you know we're here we're queer and we're putting on a show and that was great my issues i think were with the venue and that right. um i think depending on where you sit with the pandemic the, in my opinion social distancing wasn't a thing there um and there was i think the way the venue handled it it made myself and i know a couple of other performers a bit uncomfortable mm. but like I still had a great time, yeah. um, but it, it's just interesting having that experience and obviously where we're moving to now with like things are going to be opening up soon. Like we're going to have to contend with like things like this as like live performers. Like these are things we have to think about and, uh, and, and try and work through and, and as well putting other people's safety and our safety like first. Yeah. I feel like there seems to be a rush with the companies to put big shows back on Mm. and yeah I wondered how you feel about that getting back out there and on stage again and I guess it depends on who you're working with yeah I I, don't get me wrong I absolutely want to be on stage yeah um and I I much prefer working with an audience I, I I love getting a vibe off a physical audience and it just makes as well every performance is then unique and different and um and just a live drag oh god it just feels like such a distant memory yeah a live drag show is just like it's just joy it's just brilliant but um it's going to be different isn't it because if if i think back like the last show i went to it's hot and sweaty you're all packed in and everyone's shouting and and singing along and it, it won't be that immediately surely we'll be distanced i guess yeah and and i think that's that's the correct way to go about it Mm. but i think it's just like oh you see you see some of these big tour companies putting on big shows in july yes like august yeah you are being very optimistic because we've been through this for the last year and i'm like just just push it push it back as far as as far as you need to like yeah. we're, the audience will we'll be here we'll we'll wait but like i i understand as well because it's like these these big venues they've had like no income so they are gonna still want to put on shows but just i think trying to wrap my head around like oh how they have to finance it and like mm-hmm. what it's gonna take to like pay the performers pay the tour companies pay the technicians like I, in my opinion the only way they'll be able to make money out of that is through merchandise and they yeah. better bring a lot with them 
I, yeah, it does feel a bit bandwagony and cynical, particularly like they are desperate to get the like drag race UK girls out on tour. Yeah. <laughs> get <Okay>. out there. <laughs> Make us your money. Yeah. But like in, in some respects, I'm like, well, at least the season season one performers had a had a go at making some money. Whereas these yeah. guys haven't. But the whole time that the show has aired and finished like we've we've been shut away yeah so i can only imagine like how kind of like oh like they're just kind of raring to go and i mean like i wouldn't want to be in uh like veronica's shoes of like not just not being able to return for season two but then if rumors are to be, be believed return for season three and still make no coin i know i think like oh my goodness i hope people are buying the merch that's all i can say um i was going to ask you about um how you put your performances together because even in i think it's the final girl halloween performance one of your live performances on youtube like i've I've watched it and i wrote down all the different things that that are there so you've got your mix obviously there's ariana grande there's whitney houston there's clips from scary movie you've got two outfits and you've got a reveal where do you start putting something like that together oh dear right well so with that one i oh i am obsessed with the in particular the first two scary movie films i could probably quote them from start to finish <laughs> uh, and like there's not a day goes by where like <laughs> I just don't randomly like say a quote around the house like of this film. Uh, there's a bit in the beginning where uh, um, this guy is tied up outside the house uh, while Pamela Anderson is like, uh, my boyfriend's going to be here any minute and he's going to kick your ass. And uh, the killer's like, oh, what, the one who wears makeup and dresses like a woman? And then the guy's outside going, help, help. <laughs> so I, I regularly am just in a room around the house and I just am like, help. Ah! <laughs> just on your own, just sat yeah. on your own. <laughs> Me, me with the cats, like, they're like, uh, what, what are you doing? What? <laughs> and it's, it's times like that where I'm like, should I be allowed out? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so anyway, back to the original <laughs> I have a love for those two films in particular. But uh, yeah, the, the first film, I was like, oh, I'd love to do like a performance based around that. And I, I like the idea of it being this... Uh, the stereotypical kind of like final girl in a horror movie. And I, I came out with like a Michael Myers-esque mask in like a boiler suit. And yeah, I like uh, this killer then kind of becoming the final girl and then ripping that off. And then I'm just this bloodied, but like I'm still standing strong, uh, like, empowering figure like to ariana grande's break free by the end and it was just a just a camp old camp old time <laughs> right like we mentioned like audience interaction before but there's several of your performances where you're not scared to get off the stage and into the audience no no i'm not at all <laughs> i love it i love uh I, I just love like playing off of people because as well you don't know how they're gonna react and sometimes as well like uh uh, it, even if you just do something really simple to them, like you just go to like whisper like hello in their <laughs> ear, like 
they they might be like what the hell or like they might find it really funny yeah. or like they might just you never know what you're gonna get and it's just like stuff like that I I just really like I just like being a bit silly basically <laughs> what, are, what have audience reactions been to Knuckle Sandwich because like I say you mix comedy and horror so are they slightly intimidated by what you get to do because you're unpredictable I, I like being I, I like being able to do something you never quite know what it's going to be but you know you're going to get like a, a, a sandwich production um so I, I generally I think the reactions have been really really fab and, and I've, I've had such like lovely uh comments I, I get, have managed to get like a lot of like lovely support which is 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 great and um and you know maybe maybe I am in my my own bubble and it's like you know you're kind of performing to like your audience and they they will be supportive um but like I, I know some people don't don't get such uh some people are sadly victim to online trolls and people not being so kind and luckily mm. I've not had any of that so Good. um but I love I, I, and be a bit kind I think you've got to treat people with kindness in these very difficult times I agree I agree I love the look of knuckle sandwich that's really distinctive as well I love like the big crazy hair and the where did you come up with the face and like the style of her and I love the gloves I love the pointed gloves so much (laughs) um the face I mean I, I am like fascinated by the transformation because like I'm sat here now and I, I feel like if you pass me in the street, I don't necessarily know if like one thing that you would think is like, oh, it's a drag queen. Because <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm quite like my, my jaws like a bit squared off and like I've, I've got like a d- very distinctive Greek Cypriot nose mm-hmm. thanks to my dad um <laughs> and like a big old meaty forehead um so i think with the makeup it was really like a case of like how do i make this pretty <laughs> because it's not easy <laughs> and you do in a mildly unhinged way <laughs> <laughs> I will take that as a compliment. Please do. It's completely meant as a compliment. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I love the I love the transformation side of it, and I love like just kind of figuring out like how to make certain bits of your face like appear kind of smaller and like makeup's amazing, like yeah. what you can do with it. Um, but like while I, I can't do any well I say I can't do anything kind of wild and crazy I've got some like weird and wonderful looks uh coming soon I shall say Ooh. um but like I think the, the 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 mammoth task of itself is like just trying to <laughs> make this pretty <laughs> well you've done it how long did it take you before you got to the point where you thought yeah I could that's it Happy oh with that. uh oh uh probably only only since lockdown like pre-lockdown I was still like even though like I was uh, getting to do live performances and stuff I still hadn't figured out the 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 face and like I I, there were bits like I think even now like there's still areas I I can improve like and I always want to try and kind of better myself and like every time I 
put makeup on. I want it to kind of be better and more refined than the time before. Um, but like, I think probably it was probably about when I did that baby, it's you, the euphoria performance, it was starting to like pull together. I'd, um, I'd gotten a very nice eyeshadow palette that was like some proper pigments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like using some good materials really like took a lot of the, I think the, the, like the pain of like, why is this not bloody blending? Yeah. <laughs> and then like, I, it just made life easier. Um, so yeah, good, good makeup is a... <laughs> not expensive makeup, <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> just buy some good makeup and pray. <laughs> <laughs> Slap it on. Um, can you tell me a bit about Big Squirrel Productions? Because yes. this is where, well, your drag has started to meet your acting career. So I've watched watched some of the Disconnect series, which is really great. If you go on the Big Squirrel Productions uh, Instagram account um, and your episode is Kai and Harriet, Um which is really nice. So it's you in drag playing a different character and then sort of the Zoom discussion that you have with your friend. Uh, tell me about that series and then Big Squirrel Productions more generally because it's really exciting. So Disconnect is a project that... Um, so my friend Kat, um, has, it's her theatre company um, that she's inherited alongside of her father, who we call Papa Squirrel, uh, Stephen. Um and Big Squirrel, um, we've tried to move digitally as well through the the pandemic. Um, so Disconnect is a ten episode like short web series. Like each each episode's like kind of five minutes or less, um, and we just wanted it to kind of be like a snapshot of like different people's either lives or situations or like conversations that you know could have happened or like take stuff to the extreme like one of the episodes is of like a a pt personal training session which yes. doesn't go particularly uh well <laughs> it's really good um so we just like to kind of like play with like two person scenes and kind of craft and just see see what you could come up with and, and try and give people something to watch as well like with with all of this going on and it's free it's there on instagram we're we're big advocates for like making theater uh as well like when when we've done theater in person like making it cheap making it accessible um and just putting on good quality stuff um so my friend kat who um it's her, her company um so she was actually in sixth form with me in the performance of the red shoes ah. we've we've known each other since we were 16 and when i left sixth form college i didn't like bolt off to university or drama school um i was like i just kind of need to figure out what i am going to do but like i know i'm passionate about performing and I felt like I was good at it. Like w- when you're good at something and I'm like, well, I, I know I, I can do this, but I just don't know how, like I've come from a family that aren't into the arts. Um, my, my dad um, and my mum uh, largely worked in like horse racing for most of the time I've grown up and my sisters are, are off doing other things. And there was me who was always like the kind of arty creative kind of bit of a weirdo <laughs> in the family. We're all weirdos. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> um, and I, I, I just was like, well, I, I thought I wanted to work for a bit. And then I started writing my own shows and um, I toured them around. Um, so like when I was 19, I put on a one man show, which I toured up to the Edinburgh Festival. Um, and then after that, I developed a, a two person show, which I wrote um, and performed with my, my best mate, Sam. Um, and we took that to Brighton Fringe before going to Edinburgh Fringe and Kat came and saw that. And then after that, so I think I was probably 21 at the time, she was like, oh, I've got the, this idea to do this. Like, shall we do this? And basically since then, like every year since then, we've, we've done a project together. We've uh, done like theatre shows and yeah, been working like digitally on, on this stuff as well while we're also kind of pursuing other things so it, it's like a wow. really lovely creative partnership um she she is a wonderful creative like extremely talented writer as well um and then i occasionally have have contributed uh, something as well um with with writing I, I find the the process of writing can be a bit uh can sometimes be quite difficult so it's not something like i I can just sit down and I'm like, okay, within two weeks, I'm going to have a script. Like my brain just doesn't work like that. But um, prior to lockdown, we'd done like solo shows, but toured them together under Big Squirrel. And that was, that was really fun. So you must miss touring. Yeah, I do. It's, uh, I think as well, because we are big advocates for putting on original work, um, which in itself is a massive challenge um trying to get audiences interest and trying to reach out and it's it's all you know very well and good doing them locally to your local home crowd but when you're taking them out and trying to get people in it is you've got a much more difficult uh mountain to climb so to speak just because trying trying to get people like excited about something they have no idea about it's just so difficult. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's really hard to grasp it, I think, until you do it. Because my, my thought, I think, prior to me making and developing work was like, people are always going to want to see something new and original. They're not going to want to <laughs> see, like, another Shakespeare. I'm like, no, that is very wrong. People do want to see Shakespeare and they don't want to see my... <laughs> I, hope, I hope that will change now. Like, after all this is over and we can start going to see stuff, I think people will be hungry to see new things and, I don't know, maybe challenge themselves a bit, see theatre in a way they haven't before. Because I'll just be so desperate to see live stuff and be part of an audience. Yeah. I, I, I hope so. I, I do think it's going to be very interesting when you see, like... Uh, what maybe the National Theatre and other large organisations program because yeah. I bet it will be like a big name Shakespeare with Comforting. a big actor attached because it's like oh this is just going to be an excuse to get people out of the house because it's something they know and it's mm. some, someone they recognise mm. and I, I think initially it may be a bit difficult but I really hope that like once people feel comfortable going out they'll then be willing to try new things yeah with your digital episode on Disconnect, mm-hmm. did you have anything to do with writing that? Because your character that you play is a drag queen, obviously very different to Knuckle Sandwich. Uh, my character in that is very different to Knuckle Sandwich, but yeah. I, di- I didn't take uh, a role in writing it. That's purely okay. 
on on cat but um she did run it by me and was like is uh I, I, she she's got like a lovely sensitivity as well with writing she doesn't like uh if if there was something in there that i even felt like uncomfortable or was like all oh, you you know being a heterosexual uh person like you you know maybe phrasing this in a different way but no she she's like she's lovely and i think when you come from a place of like empathy as well like you you know it's i i thought it came together really really kind of beautifully by the end and I, it was like a really lovely scene and i could tell you now from filming it it was just like we kept stopping and starting and being like what what am i doing what <laughs> So the fact that it even came together and looked like seamless is a You wouldn't notice oh, that, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll put a link to um, Big Squirrel Productions in the in the podcast info so that everyone can just click straight through. So what's next for you? What's next for Knuckle Sandwich and for you with your acting? What's coming up? Well, I've... Um, oh, I, am I not, I'm going well, to talk about it anyway, if I, if I can't talk about it tough. So okay. I've recently... Um, did my first shoot for a TV show, which is very exciting. Um, I don't know much about it. Feeling it? Yeah, I really. I I was told like this is what you need to know, and like just kind of turn up and do your thing. Mysterious. But, yes. So it's a. It was a British production company, and it is a show that is going to be about the. Um, UFO um, sightings and landings in Roswell. Wow. Um, and I played a radio reporter in that called Frank Joyce. Um, and it was, it was a very odd experience because of all, I, I haven't shot anything to that scale um, with COVID restrictions. Mm. So it was like, it was very cold Um basically if you weren't shooting anything every single person had to wait outside and socially distance like that that was just like it was like kind of suck it up and you'd be there for like between six and 12 hours like just kind of stood like oh i'm gonna need a cup of coffee (laughs) um but like by the end of it, like I got to kind of be, I was put in a straight jacket. I was thrown in a prison cell. Like there was exciting. Um, but I, I, I don't even know what the final series is going to be called. I don't know where wow. it's going to end up. Um, <laughs> I think they, the production company have been commissioned to make it, but I don't know who it's going to be distributed by. I think it was, I, from what they were talking about on set, it, I think it was either going to be like a BBC, a Channel Four, or a Netflix thing. But this we'll, is exciting. We'll, uh, well, <laughs> we don't know. I might end up on the cat room floor yet. <laughs> but you've done it. That's enough. You've been there, yeah. and I've been paid. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so that yeah, no, that's that's been exciting. And then I've got in the pipeline a horror film as well um which is starting shooting in a couple of weekends time um which is 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 very exciting because horror is such a big love of mine and to like really sink my teeth into that is going to be a lot of fun um can you tell us about the character or yeah so i'm playing um 
I'm playing this guy who is a um, he plays games online and live streams himself playing them. Um, so he, this character Zach, um, and he's he's got quite a controversial past. You kind of filter through like uh, during the the final film, there will be like the kind of chat record of like the live stream going through and you'll you'll get kind of glimpses and hints in the dialogue that like he's maybe not um as good of a person as you perhaps would initially think and then it seems that someone or something is trying to break into the house during this live stream um and then kind of chaos kicks off from there and um the ending gets very interesting, but I, I, I can't say any more than that because it will spoil it. <laughs> that sounds great. Wow. Okay. What about Knuckle Sandwich? What have you got planned for her? So at the moment I have got some, uh, well, I did a look um, back at the end of last year involving latex. So I've done some looks coming up involving uh, playing around with that. So there's going to be some, hopefully some good stuff coming out on Instagram. Uh, soon I've got a few digital performances lined up as well um, I've got a, a digital cabaret show coming up in a couple weeks or in a month I better check my calendar have, <laughs> you, have you made it yet so I'm like it's, it's all good <laughs> I've got time <laughs> with one day to go <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah and then I've got another show I've been asked to be a part of in the uh, in the summer as well um, with a, a queen called Generica. Um, Is that a live show? That That's a digital show. Okay. And then live shows, I'm hope, my plan last year prior to the world ending was to like put on my own show in person. Um, and I would still like to do that this year, but I'm just being very kind of tentative of like, I, I, I think my gut's telling me like, wait out and see what the first couple are like and then if if things are going to open up as as hopefully planned then maybe like look towards the end of summer or september and and yeah. hopefully put something on that's brilliant and we can find you is it mainly instagram that we can find you i'm on instagram at this knuckle sandwich i'm on tiktok good lord yes that's, that's uh, blown up i meant to ask you about that well that that's one of these uh, uh <laughs> I did a drag Pokemon look of a very kind of disturbed um, Bell Sprout Pokemon, um, which for some reason has got several thousand new <laughs> likes, comments, um, which has been fab. But prior to me putting on that video, I had 20 followers. Wow. So wow. It's, uh, yeah, I, I don't really understand TikTok. I, do, I feel like, am I too old? <laughs> I'm not on it, but I feel like I need to see that now. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just like, I think I'm just trying to figure out how it works. Yeah, I think everyone seems I just to be don't really that way. Um, and I'm like, well... Uh, I've had, I've had a, a few people that, that are, are very successful on social media and each of them have said, like from three different people, like if you want to build a social media, like at the moment, like the one to do is TikTok. So like if you can kind of build up a following on TikTok, like you'll, you'll probably 
be doing okay or like get well, you're, you're doing it well <laughs> we'll see it's only one video though so i need to uh <laughs> pressure there's so much pressure <laughs> um i can't even remember what my handle is on tiktok i'm gonna have to have a quick look this is really it's all right i can i can link to it anyway in in the oh, info for the sandwich show queen there we go knuckle sandwich queen okay that's yeah. awesome and i'm on youtube i think also as knuckle sandwich queen i'm really sorry i wasn't <laughs> it's fine i'll just link to it all so don't worry there'll be links for everyone just to click through to so we can yeah. find more that's great it's been an absolute delight talking to you Thank you so much for having me. Um, oh, I'm so glad we've been able to have a natter. I always struggle ending podcasts, but I thought today, I wondered if you would like to end the show um, with your favourite scary movie quote. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Um, oh, dear. God, what am I going to do? I'm even sitting up, like, ready. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what am I going to do? Oh. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do the bit where, where she finds a boyfriend on the chair. Uh, <clears throat> my boyfriend's going to be here any minute, and he's black, and he'll kick your ass. Oh, really? Yeah. What, the one that wears makeup and dresses like a woman? How do you know? Turn the porch lights on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. Hi again, it's Carly. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to find out more or get in touch, head over to teawithkingsandqueens.com.